everyone, Ryan Murphy from The Gamers Inn. What you're about to hear is a spoiler-filled discussion about The Last of Us Part 2. I recorded the spoiler cast with John Jagger, who you may know from other podcasts such as Core, Azeroth Roundtable, and There Will Be Dungeons. What started as a bonus episode quickly turned into a three-part series as our recording nearly made it to the three-hour mark. If you've not played the game or you're avoiding spoilers, I do highly recommend saving this for later when you've had a chance to finish the game. Episode 1 focuses on the first segment of the game where you control Ellie. Welcome to The Gamers Inn presents Ryan and John talking about The Last of Us Part 2. Welcome to the Gamer's Inn. Come on in. Pull up a chair next to the fire. Looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is John. John, how's it going? Welcome back. Good. Happy to be back. Found out it's been a while, and Mm -hmm. uh, I like that you kept my spot by the fire warm. It is. It's very warm. This fire is constantly... Actually, I don't know how it's powered. It could be gas. It could be just... uh, if someone comes in and sneaks a, a new log on the fire, I'm not sure. But uh, I do know that we're here to talk about The Last of Us Part 2. In all its spoilery goodness, you and I have both been holding back on our respective shows as to not spoil... I mean, I don't know. I've literally... I've, I've been talking in cryptic circles, and I'm really glad that I finally get to remove those shackles, even though I, right now I am trying, <laughs> trying not to spoil anything. But we're going to spoil everything we've got a good list of things to talk about and uh i don't know about you john but i think i think this is going to be therapeutic for both of us oh it is i've been sitting on this knowledge with almost nobody to talk to about it uh limited discussions able to be had and uh i i've just been sitting there i'm just like i need somebody to talk to about this game because it's so much and and it was a game that when I finished, I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody for a little bit, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to want to talk to a lot of people for a lot. Yeah, I felt the same way. Uh, when I had finished it, it was very much one of those, I need to sit on this. And then afterwards, I'm listening to all the spoiler casts, listen, reading articles. Um, I, I even was very much looking forward to The Last of Us official podcast, which has been doing a fantastic job of presenting the story of development from the voice actors and the creators and stuff so it's been i i've i've had that uh, that sort of outlet but i'm with you i haven't really had anyone to go back and forth on when it comes to spoilers outside of you and i just being like it's really good yeah we enjoyed it okay it's great and then let's do a spoiler cast so that's about as far as we've gotten uh in terms of, of talking this thing out but to 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 those at home, the way we're going to do this is we split it into three parts, and we we will start with part one being you know Ellie's side of the story, or at least the beginning of her side of the story. And to start, I just I wanted to quickly like warm us up and ask like, what does it feel for you to be back in this world of The Last of Us? Uh, it was incredible because the thing about The Last of Us is it is that that wonderful contrast of absolute beauty and absolute horror at the same time because it is a world that they you know this is a long time after a zombie outbreak this isn't you know we're in the middle of it 
the world has moved on. The world has grown. Society's gone as we know it, and something else is in its place. And this game wastes no time. I mean, you you are inside a house and you step out, and it's just beautiful. It the scenery, the the look of the game, you know, both graphically and just what you're seeing is just beautiful. But then there's also bodies littering the streets. And that to me is an image that just tells you exactly what The Last of Us is. It is this amazing natural beauty littered with horror and awfulness. Yeah. And the characters see that horror and are kind of like, well, just another Tuesday. You know, it's, yep, they, uh... they're not cleaning it up. They're not dragging them to a grave. They're riding their horses over the top of them and ignoring them. Yeah. Yeah, it the way this game starts, I think, is very therapeutic for for folks who have waited so long to come back to this world and and may have even played the game on two different consoles. The first one being PS3 and and then PS4. But I think going back to this world means a lot to me because it really felt with the the way they presented The Last of Us, they could have very easily said that's the story. And I know a lot of people want that to be the story and felt as even before part two was sort of coming down the line they felt like part two would kind of throw what we had away and i'm really glad they came back and they had the the courage to to come back on like some developers that uh, don't want to return to their much beloved franchise looking at you valve uh although i guess they did do that this year (laughs) yeah sort of Sort of. I haven't you finished had it yet. VR, you you got to you got to know what was up. I, I mean, even then, I don't know if if we even got to know what was up because it didn't light the world on fire. I I mean, I didn't. I guess, anyways, I I I think that it it was it was immense. It was immensely courageous of them outside of the you know millions of copies they sold. Because again, you can come back to money and say, well, of course they were going to do a sequel, and and that's really good sort of fodder for whether they'll do a part three. But the fact that they've done a part two and they've they've allowed us to come back to this world and enjoy the same characters because that was some of the the back and forth about what a part two could be is like maybe part two is a whole or not part two maybe it's just the last of us colon i don't know europe or something and we get a completely different story with completely different characters they can probably come up with a better you know subtitle than that but uh the fact that they gave us a continuation of that story with those characters is is um is really good. I, I I'm I'm glad they did that. And I'm glad they took the chance to was, to do that. It was a game where when I heard, "Hey, we're making a Last of Us Part Two, my gut reaction was, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, why <laughs> would you do that? They, you've told a story that was so good and so powerful and so emotional. What else needs to be told? You know, where where else do we go? And so I was skeptical. But it's one of those things where when you do think about the ending of The Last of Us, as good as it is, there's a lot of questions. You know, Mm -hmm. you know Joel's lie to Ellie isn't going to hold up. Like, oh yeah, there's dozens of immune people. Well, all it's going to take is hanging out with people for, you know, a couple months and meeting new people to know that like, hey, that doesn't really seem to be the case. You know, that seems crazy. Uh, you know, what's going to happen with the fireflies? Joel's just pissed off a lot of people. What's, you know, is he just going to, well, yep, back at Tommy's, happy times Mm -hmm. forever, hooray. Like, there were these things that you could think about and go, 
well, yeah, sure, there's more questions I have. But then I think at that point, the skepticism is, but is there a interesting and compelling tale to tell after that? Yeah. Is there an entire game worth of story to tell after that? Because the questions you just raised are the ones I had as well, is that how long does Ellie believe, you know, when does she find out, you know, how do characters treat her if they find out, you know, what is, what is Joel after all of this? Does he become a father? And, and I think in this game, they answer those questions in a way that I thought was, was very satisfying, but then also build upon the consequences of Joel's actions. Cause I believe that Joel was a bad guy um, before Ellie kind of brought him back from this, this, uh, the, the brink that we, that we got shades that we got, we got examples of in the first one, but, but, you know, for the most part, I think he was, he was doing good, um, in that game. It was what, what had happened in between the, the prologue and, and, uh, the beginning of, of the time jump in the first one. So the fact that we get to experience, um, the, the the comeuppance of of joel's actions is it, it at, at, like i believe the developer uh, you know the the director of the game who said like we had to address that because again like he killed a bunch of people he pissed off a group that felt you know the fireflies felt as though this was the solution to all our problems and everything we had done up until this point this forgave all that you know because they were they were labeled as terrorists and they did things that you know, disrupted the day-to-day, you know, nature in, in some of these locations in the in the quarantine zone. So I think when you get to the moment of, of that, uh, of, of Joel's death, and in the moment, I felt what the developers wanted us to feel, which was like anger and sadness that we were losing this character and worry went just before it happened. But uh, before all that, I was I was confused. Like we were we were controlling Ellie. We were being introduced to Jackson, you know, three or four years later. Uh, we were being introduced to Dina, a new character. But then uh, you get to control as this mysterious uh, woman, Abby. We we find out her name is Abby. And you're not really sure what's going on. I, I mean, what were your feelings in that moment when you s- suddenly swapped? Because you knew you were going to play as Ellie. That was in the marketing. But suddenly controlling this complete stranger, like, what is what is happening here, you know? Well, for me, it was tricky um, because and we talked a little bit about this right before we started. I I was a victim of the leaks, not mm. uh, I didn't seek it out, but I did uh, in doing research for the video game show that I do. I ran across some some leaks and I knew that you were going to be playing as this character that was related to uh, the events of the first game and that she was on a mission to kill Joel and that she would succeed. And so, you know, when we switched to Abby uh, and we realized she's just outside of Jackson, it's like, oh, okay, well, I think we might be getting to this a little sooner rather than later. And I'm curious to see what this is going to be. But I kind of already knew, you know, what was going to happen. It was, you know, it was unavoidable. Hmm. I think the the slow build. So I, I was not a... As soon as I heard about the leaks, I was like, shut it down. You know, not going to stay as far away as possible from these and, and do my darndest not to not to come across this information. And I was successful. So when I was playing through that initial part where you switch, you're actually switching back and forth between Abby and Ellie. Um, I was 
it was it was laying down information as I went, and I mean, I'm not one to kind of like think three steps ahead. I like to enjoy the moment of playing a game, and and sometimes that's by my own design of like I don't want to think too far ahead. But other times it's like, oh my gosh, there there are monsters everywhere, and I need to I need to focus here. Um, but when you're playing as Abby, there's enough hints where she's talking to Owen. She's talking about we got to find him. How do we get him out? There's people everywhere, and you're thinking to yourself immediately. I thought she's here for she's here for Joel like who else would she be there for I my mind didn't go anywhere else I had no idea who she was or who she worked for but and I uh, but I knew what was happening I didn't know she was going to be successful and in that moment when you know Tommy and Joel save Abby Abby brings them back to her people at this uh, this cottage and there's this even slow realization for Tommy and Joel as if like we're being all buddy buddy and Joel says, Oh, it seems like you guys have heard of us before. And in that moment, I, I don't know whether Joel knew what was happening or whether Joel had made this realization of like, Oh no, I let my guard down and now something bad's about to happen. Right. And I still don't know like what, what was going through Joel's head in that moment, but it surely wasn't this is going to end well, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, when he, when he delivers that line of, it seems like you might've heard of us, he looks to me, you know, he's got that, that look of just like, I, I know it. Like even before he says the line, when he sees all heads turn to him, mm-hmm. when the name gets said, I think at that moment you have a character that's trying to figure out, is there a way for me out of this? Because I think I've just walked into a trap. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of what had happened, Joel, that was his only, that was the only way he was going to survive that horde that, that approached unless he said like, no, we're going to, we're going to rough it in the snowstorm, you know, uh, once the horde's been dealt with at the gate. But I think when he makes that realization, um, even I'm I'm probably in the same shoes as him is like I don't know who these people are why they're so upset with me but I've done enough and you know enough of bad stuff that I've pissed off a lot of people and we even see that in the first game where you 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 know you take up a bunch of folks I think it was the cannibals and then they end up coming back and there is that a lot of that back and forth that happens in this world and and I think Joel's realizing that in that moment. He's probably not thinking it's the fireflies, although it's probably a good guess in in that moment. But uh, when it happened, when they took out his leg with the shotgun, uh, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is not great. I, I thought my mind was going, maybe Ellie comes in and, and, you know, takes them all out. And that that's the reason that you control Ellie throughout the game, because Joel is, he just had his leg blown off. But uh there was enough people there and the way Ellie comes in guns blazing, it, it really, it, it was, it, you, you, you understood in that moment and it wasn't this quick, he's gone. It was this lingering, really, de- you, you know, uh, I, I was trying to remember the words they use, like just kind of like gruesome, sad moment of, of the, this death of a character. Usually when a major character dies, it's this quick thing that happens and, and then you mourn it. But I think that's where y- sometimes you the walking dead does this sometimes and sometimes for good and sometimes for bad but you know a slow death of a beloved character can if done correctly can really inspire some emotions in in the player or the viewer 
And I think the game did a good job with that. You know, it, it made me angry. It, I, I was right there with Ellie, right? Like, it yeah. made sense. It sells you on the notion of, oh, okay, I'm going to spend 30 hours tracking these people down and, and killing them, and I'm going to be excited to do it. Because look at them. I hate every single one of them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're presented with enough evidence to where, and, and I knew it at the time, like they, they have Ellie, her ears are ringing, not from anything, just from, you know, she's just tuning it out uh, because of what she just witnessed. But you don't hear the dialogue, but you do come to an understanding that this group of people made the decision to let her and Tommy live that they were after one person and one person alone and that was that was it and that they didn't decide to just kill everybody and so you knew that there was a moral choice that got made but in the moment you were like no that's going to be their mistake they should have killed me because mm-hmm. i'm going to go and i'm going to get every single one of them and it's going to be great fun and uh, <laughs> I'm going to feel real <laughs> cathartic about it. And it's uh, it'll be great. Well, it's it's the in the marketing, you know, pre-release. It was like, this is a story of revenge. And it's like, OK, what's going to spark that revenge? And they laid some they did some Marvel-esque. Uh, let's put some Joel here. Let's put some Joel voice lines there to really make it seem as though I'm not going to I'm going to go with you. I'm not I wouldn't let you do this alone. And and I that was successful for me because before this it wasn't very often you killed off a main character from uh from a previous beloved game and 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 they've done it here and and i think they did it in a way that that services the and and sets up the story for the second part but makes sense in the grand scheme of things because no one in this world survives forever sometimes like eugene you you die of a stroke uh or you uh you you don't you you get taken out by people you've wronged and it's very easy to wrong people because it just you know it's a gruesome and terrible world and and when joel is killed you you're right they set it up in a way where you you feel it and you're like okay i'm ready to go on this journey and to experience all the the, all the wonderful tools that i'll have at my disposal to uh to enact my revenge and it never for a moment in my head thought as though like I would experience the other side of the story. And I think that's where part one was very successful for me in that I just figured I would go about this game playing as uh playing as Ellie and acting my revenge. And, and then, you know, some dark stuff would happen along the way. The ending would be, you know, muddied a little bit, but, but it would be a last of us type experience. But, um, you know, you, after Joel's death, like you go back to, uh, Jackson and there's some back and forth about going on this revenge plot, which you know made a lot of sense to me. And uh, Tommy kind of runs off without you. He does it in a way that almost bars you from actually leaving Jackson. And I thought it was very fitting of Maria to be like, "Yeah, I can't stop you." Obviously, I couldn't even yeah. stop my husband. <laughs> yeah, couldn't stop Tommy. I know you're gonna go. Like, I can either help you or I can hinder you, and you can go anyway. Mm-hmm yeah and it worked it it made a lot of sense for for that character to be to understand that ellie wasn't going to give up because that's the type of you know person she is and the fact that she uh i think it 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 made a lot more sense for the for this game and for the setting for her to just be like okay i can spare you a horse i can spare you some weapons you know go get my husband and bring him home because tommy of course is 
is out there all by himself, which, you know, he's had, he's been in the thick of it, but, um, uh, it's been a while, right? He's been, he's been at home, a homebody for, for a little bit. And that kind of brings us into the next part where we go to downtown Seattle. There's, they travel. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not an, an, uh, an American map person as being a Canadian. Uh, (laughs) I don't really know where everything is. And I'm kind of thinking to myself like, okay, where's Jackson? It's in, it's where I don't know where it is. I looked it up, but it's 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 quite a distance from Seattle, is it not? Like they they go no, a long they, distance. Yeah, they go a ways, especially considering they go on on horseback. Mm. Um, so it's uh, it's quite a ride in the pursuit of them. But I think part of that is because you need you need to justify how much time has gone by for Abby's story because a lot has, a lot has happened uh, to her and her relationships and all of that um, in that amount of time. Like that was Mm -hmm. the thing that, that kind of got me was, Oh my gosh, these people have, have had a lot happen since then. Yeah. well, I, I think with Abby's story, um, with what happened uh, previous, you get you you get a lot more backfill as to what happened leading up to the death of of Joel, which I think was helpful. But like you said, that distance between enacting her revenge and when Ellie finally catches up to these people is that they're they're kind of like they're they're dealing with the guilt of it, and you can tell that even before you play Abby's side. But they're also like, we need to move on because like that wasn't healthy and it didn't fix anything. And it's definitely not fixing whatever's wrong. Well, it's not we know what's wrong with Abby. It's not fixing what she thought would fix this problem of, of losing um losing her father. But I, I think when you the the really cool thing that they do with part one is that they they leave that for the most part aside where you are very much experiencing and they've set up this this story where the WLF uh, are the bad guys and you Ellie and Dina are the are the good guys right and you are on a a a, a noble quest of vengeance right you can do yeah. no wrong <laughs> uh but that that isn't the case as we find out later on but uh in that downtown Seattle moment there is this lull before you get into the thick of the confrontation between yourself and the in the WLF and uh let's talk a little bit about that open area cuz i think it was it, it being very early on, uh, I thought it was one of my favorite parts of the game where it was very much the the cool, quirky dialogue between two characters, but also a lot of scavenging, a lot of exploring, and just a lot of clickers and, to deal with. And I, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I would argue the downtown Seattle might be the best part of this game, uh, which it's pretty early on for the, mm-hmm. the best part. It isn't the best part necessarily from a from a narrative standpoint because it's narratively speaking, it's there to get you to like Ellie, it's there to get you to like Dina, and it's there to get you to like their relationship and understand all those elements a little better, um, as well as do you know world building of who the WLF is, um, what they had to do, them kind of overthrowing the government appointed regime that was running it. Um, So it's a lot of world building and relationship building between the two of them from a narrative perspective, but that's not a lot of action packed cutscenes and 
you know, moving the overall plot forward. But as far as like pulling out your map and saying, I want to go explore this shop front and mm-hmm. throwing a brick through the, the window, which, by the way, can we just take a moment to acknowledge <laughs> how satisfying breaking windows and glass in this game is? I, you know, this is part of me playing this game. Uh, I started a second playthrough and I really felt like I started to understand and appreciate the exploration mechanics too late into the game. And I actually missed a good chunk of the downtown Seattle section. And then when I played it again, I'm like smashing every storefront, smashing displays to get it like notes and, and materials. And it's just, it's so satisfying. And I think... Once they figured out how breaking glass would work, I love that they kind of used it in not just a way to enter buildings, but to find collectibles and stuff. And my favorite glass smashing moment and, you know, repercussions of doing that was it's a little later in Ellie's story, but there's this store that has clickers in it, but also items. And I'm, maybe there's a way to get into it without smashing the glass, but of course I I couldn't find a way. So I sma- I I had prepared to smash the glass, laid some traps out. So I smashed it and then ran away, and then the the clickers kind of poured through. But it was one of those moments where I realized, oh man, they really spent a lot of time figuring out what tools you needed, not only to take care of every encounter, but to do it in a way that you were happy to do it in. Right, like you had you had complete choice of what you want to do, and I think that's where the game in comparison to the first one really just excelled uh by by providing you with all these tools and and you could do every encounter the way you want to do it you want to go guns blazing and sneak off into the into the tall grass you can do that you know and you want to pit the clickers against the wf you can do that too and it just works as opposed to the first game where if it worked it was most likely a scripted sequence i i i remember specifically the left behind dlc had a moment where it was very much you're going to throw this this glass bottle to pit these two enemies uh, against each other right as opposed to it being like an option it was really it was really just like you're going to do it type thing yeah. so i appreciated the the work that went into part 2 and making every encounter sort of dynamic in a way it was really cool yeah absolutely and to me you know that seattle area is the first case of it the exploration element is the reason why I think it stands out as probably the best part of that to me. They certainly bring it, bring back elements of it later, but it feels a lot more linear most of the times they go back to it. It's like, okay, well, you can explore around, but you know, for the most part, you're on this pretty strict rail forward. Um, you know, and you can maybe branch out a little within that. I'd say maybe with the exception of there's a neighborhood that Ellie goes through. Uh, right before she reunites with Jesse, uh, which also stood out as a really cool exploration type area uh, that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's th- that downtown Seattle. I I didn't finish it the first playthrough, but the second it was the reason I I needed to do a second playthrough is because I missed a lot. Like I I missed the the interaction that everyone was you know where Ellie plays take on me like that moment. So when I finally played through it again it's like oh that's probably one of the the biggest story narrative moments in that open area maybe maybe the biggest and only uh only uh, maybe second would be the uh when when they're they go to the the temple um and 
sort of Dina talks about her past and her uh, her you know uh just yeah her past and stuff and it was it was a really interesting that really interesting area and i'm i mean we were talking pre-show about how this game was supposed to be open world and it was originally designed that way and they they ended up sort of taking it in more of a traditional uh naughty dog direction but i really like the way naughty dog has toyed with these open areas and i was really hoping we were going to get more of that in this game at least one other section would have been would have been awesome but i i hope they take that idea and i hope enough people tell them it's a great idea and they kind of take it it's like let's do something interesting with that in this universe because i it worked so well from a combat from an exploration and could work from a narrative perspective i i really dug the way they they built up like you said they built up the wlf through this calmer open area where you're not dealing with you know, running and gunning, you're just dealing with, 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 uh, clickers and stuff and infected. But, um, that sort of area opens into the end of day one where you, where you go to, I believe it's a school and, uh, well, first of all, shimmer dies. So the second biggest death. Oh yeah. (laughs) Shimmer dying was, was brutal. And that was one of the biggest scares I think in the game like that, that shocked me. Uh, was jumping over that barricade and they just detonate an explosion and then shimmer's dead and it, you're just all of a sudden you're thrown you're just like oh right this world is extremely dangerous and and awful but the thing i liked about it uh this moment because they they kill your horse they capture you you're then tied to a chair they're going to interrogate you and you run into your first meetup with someone that was present when Joel died. That's the person that Ellie actually cut across the face. So he's very distinctive and uh, you're like, oh, OK. And, you know, through that cinematic and the events that follow, Dina shows up then she's in danger. Then Ellie gets free. You get your first kill. Your first revenge kill is Ellie. And that's sort of what I liked about this moment is it's still pretending to be this game that it's not going to end up being. Um, One of the things that I think some people will hate about this game, but some people will love about this game, is that this game lies to you. This game tells you that it is going to be a revenge story for Ellie and that you're, you know, it's almost like, um, I'm trying to remember the game, but, you know, it's almost like, hey, here's the, Here's the targets. Here's the generals. You got to go take down, go into this world and take out the generals, you know? And, uh, you know, you get your first one down it's like, all right, there's cross one off the list onto the next one. And I believe that one's the TV station one, which would be the next one. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the first point where they start to say, this might not go the way you think. Yeah, and and you're actually when you get to the TV section, you're introduced to uh, well, you start to learn more about the scars, as the wolves call them, but we know them as the seraphites later on, and you're introduced to what the scars do to the WF in this very gruesome way at the TV station, where you find these hanging bodies. Now, this is after you find some of Tommy's work uh, with two WF soldiers, and I think, like you said, it, it's actually what you said about you know tracking down these generals and i think that's where going back to the idea that this might have been an open world game you can kind of see where they may have their heads were at with that and that you're like 
going around and following clues and trying to find these people and take them out. And I'm really glad they didn't go that route because it could have been tougher to make that unique as opposed to just another, you know, tower hopping <laughs> Ubisoft open world game. Right. And uh, it's it also speaks to I don't remember a lot of the faces from when Joel died. Like I remember Abby. She's very present and Owen as well. But everybody else sort of faded into the background um, outside of, I remember Manny and I obviously remember the guy who, who kicks Ellie in the face at the end, who gets, who gets the slashing from it, from Ellie. But other than those folks, there was obviously a lot of people there, but I don't remember them as clearly as those few that I mentioned. So when you go to the TV station, you're looking for Leia uh, and you find her and Tommy's already, you know, done done the done the arrow deed like pin cushioned her which was very gruesome like you're you're I seeing thought that that was scars i didn't read that oh as was it zombie. i i See, think I... because it was arrows i i immediately assumed it was the scars got to her oh uh, you know what now that i think about it you're probably right in the sense that they were there was already scar uh scars present there so no that's a good point i think there was there was another thing this game did especially in part one, is that it it led you on this path of we're chasing Tommy, we're chasing Tommy, and you just assume you're always chasing Tommy. And you don't really get the idea of when you are and when you aren't chasing Tommy. So I guess that's why I assume you were. But you're right, like with the arrows, it she probably just got taken out uh, by the scars. And uh, that's how that went down. But it's it's interesting that for a good portion of part one, at least the the front half, you're not really getting you're you're not seeing Ellie get what she wants which is this satisfaction of of the kill which is what she's looking for in this revenge path so she's kind of following on i think that drives her a little bit into part you know into day 2 and and forward but you you end up coming back to the theater uh after the television station you escape and um you 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 actually are chased through this section of the tunnels actually it just reminded me of that was the first moment you had that opportunity to uh the WLF come in and you can toss a bottle to kind of chase the clickers after the WLF. But the key moment of those tunnels is where you run into the first new infected that is present in the last of us part two, which is the shambler. What did you think about, about those folks? Okay. So this is actually one of the areas that kind of missed for me Um, Mm -hmm. by trying to make new infected. I get it. You don't want to just do it's the exact same enemies as last time. You want to do something different. But the first game set up real clear rules about the infected that you understood. And when they introduced this new one, the Shambler, I don't know what the Shambler's deal is. I still don't. I (laughs) know that I tried to get them with ground mines and that seemed okay, but I still wound up needing to shoot them most of the time. I can't tell if they could see me or not. I can't tell. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the rules about them. Like mm-hmm. I know they're bigger and tougher than most other infected, um, but not quite, you know, to the level of a bloater. But beyond that, I don't know anything about them. And it's because nobody wrote anything really about them. Like you, I think you come across maybe some notes that acknowledge like, Oh, there's something different about this one. But as a result, they kind of fell out of a place in the hierarchy where it's like, 
in my brain, I knew, okay, if it's this kind of infected, do this. If it's this kind of infected, do this. If it's this, do this. If, you know, if you get a bloater, just unload on the thing. You know, there were rules I understood. And every time they showed up, those fights looked stupid. I didn't know if I should be sneaking around them. So I just kind of tried to set things up. It never worked right. And I ended up just shooting them a lot with guns. And then they died and then they exploded. And I was always far away because I hit them with guns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I appreciate the effort of the new enemies. But unlike the dogs, which are also a new enemy type in this game, uh, mm-hmm. I knew immediately and I think they even give you a better tutorial, what the deal was with the dogs. Oh, I'm not going to be able to just slink through grass if a dog is on my trail. Like, that's not going to work. They are countering my style of gameplay by putting dogs in this game. Um, That's what a dog is there to do. And I knew immediately, I might not know 100% of what that dog's going to do, but I know roughly what I need to do to deal with that as a new piece of the combat puzzle with the humans that are going to be walking around with them. I still to this day don't know what to do (laughs) with the other type of infected. I'm like, I don't know. They're there. I try and kill them too. Yeah, no, I, I having just started back up and I got to the point where the shamblers pop at or pop in for the first time. And narratively, they kind of explain it as like a different, evolution of the strain or whatever and the way it infects the human body and kind of can go towards the bloater side or it can go towards the shambler side and you're right like it completely negates the way you might play by sneaking around and stealth killing by setting traps because you can't usually if you set a trap you when you set a trap for infected it triggers the whole encounter and they all come after you or they at least go towards the sound but in this you can't take out a shambler with one fell uh swoop of a of a trap mine you kind of have to you have to take it out by shooting it in the head or shooting it till it goes down and you can't get up close because it's constantly spitting out this well what what feels to me like the bloaters uh sort of acid bombs but it's kind of this this acid sort of field that is is constantly permeating from from the enemy and that initial encounter where you're presented with two of these shamblers and your first instinct is, to, well, if I can't get close, I got to shoot them. And it brings everything on top of you. It's it complete. It's a new encounter. And you're right. It feels a little sloppy, like, it, you know, where you can kind of control the way you approach an encounter with the other ones. But these are designed to make you panic and and perform a little less coordinated. Right. You're just kind of more scrambling to, to take them all down. And it didn't feel as as good because really when the bloaters showed up, that's, that was the moment to just run and gun. You knew that. But with the shamblers, it kind of, uh, it, it kind of, it, yeah, you're right. It kind of didn't hit as, as strongly, but I do understand the, you know, the, to try to address the concerns of like, well, all these monsters are the same, you know, yeah. except for these, these new shamblers. So yeah, I can see that point for sure. And it's nice of them to put it in there, but yeah, I, I feel like they, they could have looked at giving you more tools to take them out, but they are they are also brand new, right? Not a lot of not a lot of literature around them. But um, after you sort of escape from the tunnels, and you you know you, you're both very tired. There's a run. You get out and you come to a theater and you take a rest, and that's where you find out that Dina is pregnant. And Dina was um, 
had just broken up with Jesse. Now she's with Ellie, but she's pregnant. And that's kind of slowing her down a bit. And there's a confrontation, which leads to Ellie sort of walking off into the back of the theater. And um, she she has a, we get her first flashback, which I think brings us to a point where we get two flashbacks in part one of Ellie's where we get to experience, we get to actually control and experience something that happened between the end of the first game and uh, the point where this game starts. And I thought the it was Ellie's birthday, and and that flashback was sorely needed um, in terms of the story they were telling, because you really needed something light to come in. And I thought this was one of the most sort of uh, it was the it was the giraffe moment, but it was a it was an extended sort of playable experience, right? And I I it really I I really loved it. It was very heartwarming to experience uh, that museum. Like, how did you feel about getting those that really close moment between Joel and Ellie? Yeah, if downtown Seattle was the best gameplay moment for me, um, the birthday flashback was the best part of the game for me. Um, getting to reunite with Joel when you, you know, you're missing him at that point, you know, his absence is felt. And to, you know, it was like, it was like the DLC from the first game because you're doing a lot of, you know, you're, you're having fun in the game. Um, but it, to me, it's a perfect miniature encapsulation of The Last of Us. You've got, again, the beauty of this beautiful world going through a museum without the artifice of, you know, look but don't touch. They're climbing on things. They're putting hats on dinosaurs, which <laughs> yeah. is the greatest... It, it, it was amazing. It is the funniest freaking thing. I got so much joy out of putting hats on dinosaurs. I felt like a little kid again. I missed that the first playthrough. I did not know. I, I got to the point where the, where the hat was put on the, the I think the brontosaurus or the brachiosaurus or whatever, the, the, the long necked dinosaur, the actual draft moment where this looks like a draft, but I didn't, I didn't do all the interactions where Ellie's putting the hat on the on the dinosaur models and then on Joel and then Joel wears it through but I think in my second playthrough I did it and I was like oh my gosh like that these moments that we're getting between Joel and Ellie not only is it a callback to maybe some of the lighter moments in the first game and these interactions that I think everyone really wanted in this game but obviously didn't get because you know Joel and Ellie's relationship is is very fractured but also he's dead um <laughs> This was these were the moments where you that you wanted to see in a sequel, like your favorite characters coming together and you see Joel is a different person. Like he's gone back to this human being who is a father to Ellie and is just doing his darndest to make her birthday special in a world where it's very hard to accomplish that. And I think they nailed it, and this is the Joel that I think everybody wanted to see post Last of Us, and and we got it. I'm glad they put that in. They, they I'm glad they put that in this game because it's and again you could see them not doing it because it's so hard to fit in with what we're experiencing. But it works in the sense that Ellie is remembering some of her best moments with Joel. But then once you finish the game, you realize why it why it's mo- even more impactful because um, getting into the the second flashback. And there was another flashback that took place, and I can't remember when it was, but it's the flashback where Ellie 
travels to Salt Lake City on her own and discovers the truth about what happened uh, with the fireflies, you know? And do you remember when that took place? I know it wasn't this flashback, but I, I can't, I don't think it was. I want to say that it's like right before the finale of part mm-hmm. one, because I, I feel like, I feel like we knew that she knew for sure what happened prior to Abby confronting her at the theater. Yeah. So I, I but I know it was the last of the three. Yeah, so there's there's three flashbacks. The second one's more uh you you get this you 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 notice there's this strain, but it's but it's also I think it's called finding strings and it's where Ellie and Joel are going on a patrol and they they you, you can tell that they have this strain in their relationship, but it's more based on the fact that Ellie is dealing with the fact that she's no longer She's not special in that she thought she was being immune, but obviously Joel has lied to her and she could have been, may have been uh, special in being immune. But um, the flashbacks really play a, a good a good part of, of uh, building on, well, what what is it? What is it about Joel and Ellie's relationship? Is it just the fact that he lied? Have they not moved past that yet? How how is How did that happen and where was it going? And I mean, you don't really get the answer to that until the very end of the game and where all of that stood. But you're right. By the end of part one, you were at least aware that Ellie knew and she was very upset with Joel about it. And um, it, 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 you understood that that was a, a major strain in their relationship. But before we get that part, there's a bit more. Um, there's, you know, Dean is pregnant. She's got morning sickness. She's unable to travel with Ellie, but they find a radio that allows Dina to kind of track some of the movements. So then in day two, Ellie decides to go to Hillcrest. There's been a lot of talk about a lone trespasser, which we again believe to be Tommy. And you go off in search of Tommy in Hillcrest. And that's more of the, the very much more of the downtown Seattle stuff where you're, you're progressing forward and you're just exploring these areas, encountering WLF as you go. But for the most part, you're just you keep on trucking until you uh, until you try to get to. I think you're you're getting to Hillcrest, and there's there's some stuff that goes on there where you you are then introduced to more of the Seraphites. Um, but uh, your ultimate goal at that point, after uh, after the flashbacks, is is to try to get you eventually get to the point where you're trying to track down Nora at St. Mary's Hospital um, in Seattle, and. I think, and again, we're jumping around here. I think that's um, that's a point where I don't really remember a whole lot about it outside of your confrontation with Nora, and that's kind of the first moment where you get a up close and personal interaction between Ellie and one of the people who truly wanted to kill Joel. It, it and uh, it was it kind of again built up that wow, we really are in a revenge path and, and there's a reason Ellie's doing this. And yeah, these these people are all bad because Nora kind of says like, I still dream about the screams. And you're thinking like, oh, she's talking about the fact that she brutally murdered someone. And no, she's like relishing in it. She's she's glad, you know. It's just, it's uh, in that moment, you kind of felt, you kind of felt like, oh man, we're gonna, we're gonna fuck her up, right? Yep. <laughs> and uh, you do, <laughs> you very much do. Um. What did you What did you think about that moment where you come across, when you're when you're chasing down Nora and you end up 
doing the whole Terminator thing where you go down into the basement with the spores and you're like, nah, man, you're trapped down here with me <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, I thought that I thought that part was good. Um, the The hospital is interesting because it's actually the point in the game where I realized how poorly I was playing this game because of games like Arkham Asylum um, and stuff like that, because I that at the outside area of the hospital where you get into a you know you have to deal with a lot of people mm-hmm. um i was taking everybody out in like this neat little pile all up in one corner of the map uh there was a lot of luring people over and just okay we'll get them here we'll get them here and then when it came time everybody was dead and it was time to loot i realized oh my gosh this area is huge like there are a ton of places I could have run. There's a ton of stuff I could have picked up. There's a ton of things I could have done and ways I could have handled this. And instead I was acting like I was boxed in to this, you know, 50 foot box that just, you know, I could operate within this and that was it. And I couldn't go anywhere else. And I had to lure everybody in. And I was like, man, this game, the areas that it lets you do the stealth sections in are actually really huge. Um, and pretty substantial and it was a hard habit for me to break to not just find myself confined to a really limited space um, but to actually try and use the whole area and oh I was spotted well I'll just run over here and hide and you know I'll be good because this is a big open area so I liked Mm -hmm. it for that that was uh, that was a growing moment for me um, but I think the the smartest thing they did with Nora is, again, with the, the person before they give you the hint that maybe this isn't going to be the way, go the way you think it's going to go. And you're starting to, as you see Scars and WLF fighting, you're starting to think, like, maybe they're not so bad. It's true. They did let us live. And, you know, maybe the Scars are going to wind up being the big villain. And maybe we'll have to work together. and you start to get some doubts about the mission you're on. But they have Nora say that line about Joel, where they mock him and how happy they are that they killed him. And then they proceed to give you a spot where you chase her down. And it's so effective because it's like, yeah, they piss you off as the player and then give you a big chase sequence where you're just, you know it's probably a bad idea, but you just chase after her anyway. And, um... It's really smart. It puts you back in that headspace because they know coming up soon they're going to pull the carpet out from under you. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, when you do catch up with Nora and and um, she's surprised that you're not struggling to breathe, I think she falls, if I recall, she like kind of, she doesn't go down in the basement on purpose. She's she's either pushed or she falls down but it's 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 not on purpose and then she, and then Ellie comes down after her or goes or is with her and and when she tracks her down in that spore infested basement area of the of the hospital they 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 really flip the script there where now Nora's still i think still very apprehensive and aggressive but also afraid of wow who is this person we're dealing with and i and i i realize you realize this early on that all of the people traveling with Abby and Abby herself don't recognize that Ellie was the person they were trying to use to 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 create a vaccine. And when Nora when Nora discovers that, she's like, oh, 
okay, she, you can tell that she's understanding why Ellie's so upset and why it was a bad idea to leave her alive. And in that moment, they put the control in your hands, but in order to continue and progress, you have to essentially brutally torture Nora. And they don't show a lot, but they really, or at least maybe they didn't show, maybe I wasn't looking, I was just hitting the button prompt, and I'm like, all right, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta move through this. No, it was it's very uh... gruesome. Yeah, it's like a it's funny because it's like a low shot on Ellie's face. And I think mm-hmm. you see blood splash up and stuff like that, but I don't I don't think you see a mangled Nora. Like I don't think you see gruesome. I think you imagine it. I think it's one of those like what you picture is worse than what they could show sort of deals. Uh and it's all under red light and very intense and you know, it's it's ugly. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's brutal. And I think here's one thing. uh, This is a bit of a side note, but here's one thing that I found very interesting. Uh, Ellie going down in the spores after Nora is maybe the only time with one more exception near the very, very end of the game where her being immune actually means something super relevant. I mean, sure, she can. There's a part where her mask breaks, and obviously she doesn't die from that. But like to where it's it's actually useful in some way. And I don't know if this was done intentionally or not. But when I think back about it, and I think about Ellie's immunity, it's not really anything that is a strength that gets leaned into with these two exceptions. And it really adds credence to that you made my immunity mean nothing. And I find it interesting that in this world, she still has to act like she's not immune. She hides the bite with a tattoo uh, or in the very beginning with bandages. And the whole thing that's, that's bothered her is she wanted her life to mean something and her immunity to mean something. And there's something very interesting to me about the fact that this game at no point, uh, barring two very small moments, makes her immunity mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, because she, I mean, as she's been taught by Joel, like, you have to hide it because you have no idea how people are going to react. And and the two moments where people react to learning she's immune, it's fear and, uh, well, fear. Both times are, are fear, but not much understanding, even from the Firefly, the ex-Firefly, who was looking for you and was going to use you to create this vaccine and i i think you're right like they don't they don't play around with the immunity i don't know if it's on purpose or like you said it's just to build on the fact that uh both joel and both joel and the developers are like we're gonna make we're gonna reinforce the fact that we took away the importance of your immunity and and not they don't throughout the entire game they there's no i kept expecting there to be like a throwaway line or some threads dangled about her immunity meaning something and that's i think humanities look for look always looking for hope in situations and there's you had that in the first game of like oh maybe we can fix this but in this one they don't even come back to that they're just looking at how do we take joel out because he killed millions of people and he doomed humanity not how do we find Ellie and how do we find a doctor? There's a little bit of that at the end with Abby looking for the fireflies, but they don't even make 
like a like a reference to maybe there's something we can that can be salvaged here. No, it's like burn it down, <laughs> you know, and that is really dark, <laughs> but fitting for this game and and this world. So I, as a as an optimistic person, I was a little disappointed uh, that they didn't they didn't look back at her immunity. Like no one seemed to think that was important at all. Anyone really? It's just like oh, convenient for you, masks. Uh, especially in this world, are, are are a pain in the butt. Um, but you should wear a mask, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I I realized what I was saying about masks in this world, and I was like, I better I better make sure people understand. You should wear a mask, all right, everyone. It's not that hard. Yeah. But uh, in this world, it seems people are really upset about it. Uh, now moving forward, after you take out Nora, you're very you're you're you are physically impacted by that moment. You come back to the to the theater. Now I'm trying to remember when does Jesse doesn't pop up until day three, right? Like you don't encounter him till uh, I think you encounter him post Nora. I think it's okay. the escape from all of that where he shows up because he's definitely there on the way to the aquarium mm-hmm. uh, at oh, some yes, you're right. point because they, their paths diverge and he goes after who he thinks is Tommy and you continue towards Abby. Yeah, who's at the aquarium and you're, I, it's, it's coming back to me now. Yeah, you, you think you're finding Tommy and uh, in your escape from the hospital and which is a really there's a some really cool gameplay moments there where he pulls you into a building and you're thinking it's Tommy and in the original marketing that segment was Joel in in the in some of those trailers but in this case it's Jesse and there's an escape moment where you uh you spend a brief amount of time in a vehicle and I thought that was a really cool action point that uh in typical last of us fashion doesn't last very long because not many people know how to drive which makes sense because there's not many cars around but uh jesse did not last long behind the wheel uh, of that vehicle and yeah and then day three starts where you bring jesse back there's some awkward back and forth about dina being pregnant and you go on the road again to the aquarium uh because well like you said, Ellie's looking for Abby, but Jesse's convinced that they can find Tommy and get the heck out of there because they agreed. We find Tommy, we go back because Dina, we're putting Dina in danger, who is pregnant and not able to perform in the ways we're able to survive, right? We got to get her home. Um, but there is this moment where Jesse realizes, like, you're not trying to find Tommy, you're trying to go after Abby. I thought we agreed that we were getting out of here and we were calling it a day for Dina's sake. But it leads to kind of a, a similar open world area, now that I think about it, where you get the boat, and there is a little bit of roaming around there. I guess it's not quite the same, but it's similar, right? It's a little linear, but not. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a bit of it. It's a little weird because they, they do a lot with water. It's very flooded. And mm-hmm. so it felt a little more restrictive just because it was like, you know, all of a sudden I'm acting like the Wicked Witch and I don't want to get in water. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't feel as free to explore as I did before, um, but there was some cool stuff in there uh, as well. As you're kind of dealing with the WLF and the scars, uh, both of which are a threat at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, as you're going through this flooded Seattle, like, is there a major dam? And did they explain why it was flooded? I, I like, is there a major dam near Seattle that they blew up that I'm 
not thinking of like i must have missed a note or something but i don't know i don't yeah i don't know if we know why it's flooded i, yeah. I don't know if that was ever clarified or if it was just like hey guys look it's post water a lot of stuff happened yeah well it, it's uh i thought it was a really cool moment where you're going through on that boat and uh there's some really interesting encounters there where uh there's like a it's like a mall and there's a multi-layer encounter and you can kind of stealth under the water but you also like go across you know rooftops and it's very man, that was probably one of the more complex encounters near the ending and and again like if you're not picking up on what you need to do to survive like i can imagine that encounter being incredibly difficult um but that that moment where you kind of you you get to the you get to the aquarium and i'm guessing that's where you have your final sort of flashback where uh or right before you you go into the aquarium i Again, I'm I'm having a hard time remembering how everything works near the near the end of part one because obviously the end is is very jarring. But um, you get to the we'll we'll finish off with you. You get to the aquarium. Um, you encounter a dog that you you kill. You defend yourself and kill the dog. We'll come back to that later on in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but in the moment, it's just another dog. And then you find Owen and Mel who are arguing about where Abby is talking about some Island and you don't kind of know, you don't kind of care because you're there to find Abby. And uh, one thing leads to another and you both Owen and Mel die. Um, And and in that moment, it was kind of weird because they felt as though like Owen and Mel weren't interested in fighting, but Ellie and Ellie also wasn't like, she just wanted to get to Abby, but she was clearly, aggressive towards these two characters but um it escalates yeah she tries to do and man this is another interesting little metaphor she's chasing tommy and she sees uh prior to the tv or at the at the hotel she sees that tommy has done this interrogation method that we actually saw joel do in the first game which is you capture two people you ask them both the same question but they can't answer it verbally you make them point on a map and if they don't point at the same thing you kill one of them and you know you you try and get your your real answer out of them like it's an interrogation technique that we saw joel do we assume he probably taught ellie at some point because she sees that tommy did it and she even acknowledges like this is something joel told me about and at this point she goes in and she's in a panic and she's trying to act strong and she attempts to do the same method and fails completely she she doesn't have them tied up she doesn't have them bound she's trying to control two different people with one gun and they end up getting into an altercation as a result of it and it's just this really neat idea of ellie trying to be like joel and trying to be like tommy and failing whether that's because she wasn't really prepared or she was in the wrong headspace, or she just didn't really get it. But it's it's her trying to emulate these people and and not succeeding. Yeah. And and it you feel it and at the end of that moment when she and she does successfully defend herself, but she realizes she she takes out her path to finding Abby, but she also um in her eyes uh kills kills an innocent because and i 
there's a moment early on in the game where where they do make a, a passing reference to Mel being pregnant. But again, if you're not really super paying attention, you don't know that that person is Mel because a lot of the a lot of Abby's group is shrouded in sort of half hearing conversations and half seeing interactions. So when they when she rolls Mel over and the coat opens and she's pregnant, dun dun dun, she she has this. I think she has this moment of like, oh my god, what have I done? Which is the f- probably the second time, but the first time she really feels like she might have. Well, she's definitely gone too far, and she's let this this path of revenge take over. And uh, and I think that's when Jesse and Tommy show up and the, and they get her out of there, but they leave they leave the map um, and stuff that that eventually leads Abby back to the theater and and. Uh, well, we don't know that until until the second part, but like leading back to the aquarium, um, and before the before part one ends, there I I don't know when it is, but there is this flashback where uh, Ellie goes to Salt Lake City on her own, goes to the hospital, discovers what happened there through a I think it's a I think it's a recording from Nora where she talks about how Joel had you know, killed the the only doctor able of creating a vaccine and took Ellie away and the fireflies are disbanding. And what did you think about that moment? Because we we knew we would get it in some fashion, like they couldn't ignore it, right? And they couldn't make it a passing line. But I think it was really interesting the way they they decided to portray it in, in the second part. Yeah, I think that that was. I mean, that's the that's the moment this game pulls a couple of weird little tragedies with you by playing with when you remember certain things. And I think it was prior to the events that follow the aquarium where we find this out. Um, and you think, so she and Joel, once she learns the truth, she's mad at him. They fight. Mm-hmm. and She basically says, I don't, I don't want you to have anything to do with me ever again. Like, like we're, we're done. Like yeah. there's no us anymore. And you, you start to think like, oh God, so they weren't on good terms. And, you know, you know that there was this dance the night before everything went down. And you know that there was an altercation involving Joel, although Ellie is very quick to say like, hey, we're going to have a movie night. So you're kind of, left playing this guessing game of what their relationship is through the entire story. A lot of people seem to think she's on the outs with Joel, but then she's talking about having a movie night with Joel. But then you see like, Oh, she actually does know the truth and wants nothing to do with him. Then you see the fallout of the dance and her, basically she tells him off and to stay away from her. Mm -hmm. Um, And then ultimately at the very end, you get the final reveal that, she wasn't sure she could forgive him, but she was willing to try. And yeah. so the game kind of plays with your expectations of that. But I think the big moment and the big takeaway was like, yes, she knows what Joel did, which was yeah. the question that I had up to that point was obviously she suspected, but did she know? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough moment. Cause you know, you kind of, in my mind, it was like, okay, how are they going to play this? Like we know Ellie comes back, but it wouldn't be outside of Ellie's wheelhouse to be like, well, I'm done and I'm leaving and you're never going to see me again. But she basically, she uses Jackson and 
Joel's, um, you know, love for Ellie to say like, okay, like, tell me the truth and I will come back to Jackson, but we're done. And he does tell the truth. And that's why she returns to Jackson. But I thought the way they laid out the reveals, at least in part one, was really, um, was a really cool way of slowly revealing where Joel and Ellie's relationship was. Cause they gave you all the pieces at the beginning to understand that they at least were on talking terms, but they gave you the journey from, you know, uh, questioning to realization, uh, and hatred to maybe starting to get back to where they were, or at least try to, but there's this large gap between that revelation and the final revelation, which deals with the fact that this is only part one of the game and part one ends with a cliffhanger of you hear gunshots, you run out, Abby has, uh, Abby shoots Jesse in the head, he's down, he's dead. And she says, basically, she has Ellie at gunpoint and says, like, you wasted it. We let you live and you wasted it. And then cut to black. And I was like, when that happened, I was (laughs) a little flabbergasted. I was like, wait, what? What? That's going to do it for episode one of our spoiler cast with the terribly long name. Tune into the next episode when we cover the second segment of the game where you control Abby. Thank you for listening, and hope you're enjoying the Gamers In Presents Ryan and John talking about The Last of Us Part 2. Mm-hmm.